You are listening to the podcast from Mosaic Church. Stay tuned after it for more info about how to get and stay connected with our church family. Now, let's dive into this week's message. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Morgan, and thank you for this opportunity. Let's pray. Jesus, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you. That's all, Jesus. My King and my Redeemer, in Jesus' name, amen. I am so grateful to be here with my Mosaic family. Yes. As you know, you look around, our family, our Mosaic family is comprised of various ethnic backgrounds, many of which have different languages. Today, I'm going to attempt to greet us, some of us, not all, I can't get everybody, in your native language or a language that may be familiar to you. Let's start with an easy one. Hello. <laughs> the warm up. Hola, como estan? Marajo. Jin dobre. Dobre din. Privet. Assalamu alaikum. Sanu. Bonjour. Nihao. Jai Masiki. Stotram. Praise the Lord. That's Pentecostal. <laughs> it means hello, it also means yes. <laughs> if I pronounce any greetings wrong, I apologize. Let's just blame it on my Mosaic family. They taught me these words. <laughs> Y'all, a greeting is one of the most, the basic functions of communication. It's basic. Greetings help us connect to people at a more personal level. A hello. It can make friends of strangers, and it can bring a smile to someone who feels alone. A hello can change how we feel about a person, a place, or even sometimes ourselves. Greetings are typically the first word we learn in a new language. There are times that the greeting is also nonverbal. Head up, what's up? Head on down, how do you do? <laughs> there are also times when a traditional nonverbal greeting is a kiss in places like Argentina, Chile, Peru, Mexico, locations in Brazil and Colombia, one air kiss is standard. Whereas in Spain, Portugal, Paraguay, Italy, two air kisses are standard. In countries like Ukraine and Russia, three air kisses on alternating cheeks is normal. As a pastor of missions, my heart is to learn the most appropriate greeting as a blessing to the place, the city, that I'm entering into. When we teach new missionaries, we tell them that I can love, we can love the people not like us, not like me, by learning how to enter their culture. A simple greeting can bless the place, the city that you're entering. I take this statement pretty seriously. And so in 2018, I was with a group of missionaries in Rwanda, Africa. We'd been working in a small town called Kajeo for a few days. I, by this time, had picked up a few basic greetings. Marajo, meaning hello. This is the greeting for my, my age and maybe younger. 
I reserved the traditional greeting of air kisses for the women in the village that were older than myself. And so I practiced these greetings in the van on the way to the village. In my head, I'm practicing. Marajo. One kiss, two kiss, three kiss, embrace. Air kisses. Simple enough, but I'm practicing because I want to get it right. I want to bless the city that I'm entering. As we drive in, we see people amid their morning routine. They send a loved one a few miles to the, the local water pump to access their daily supply of water because there's no active plumbing or running water in the city. There are no stores. The houses are modest at best. Adobe walls, makeshift doors, tin roofs. There are no bathrooms as we know them for miles and miles. We get out of the van. I see the kids. Marajo. Then I see a matriarch of the city that had been elbow deep in mud with me for the past days, building brick garden beds in the village and planting vegetables so that the local families could have fresh vegetables and nutritious diet. I lock eyes with this woman and I run to her like the prodigal son runs to his daddy. We embrace arms, and I prepare for the greeting because I've been practicing. Left cheek, right cheek, left cheek, embrace. I miscalculated. I made a mistake. And I kissed this woman, a pillar, no doubt, in the town of Cajeo, smack in the mouth. I miscounted the number of air kisses. This woman had lived through two civil wars, at least, without being kissed in the mouth by an American. And I changed that for her. In this particular town, and apparently in parts of France, the greeting is left cheek, right cheek, left cheek, right cheek, then embrace. Certain cultures add a fourth kiss for an added blessing. Some cultures may add up to eight kisses, just for your information. <laughs> I don't want any more mistakes. Rumor has it that there are countries that reserve the death penalty for such a mistake, such a miscalculation. Thankfully, not this country, and not for this particular greeting, but there are greetings that cause harm. Greetings that incite war. The Nazi salute, for instance. Once upon a time called the German greeting. It's now illegal in modern day Germany. And in Slovakia and Czech Republic, those convicted of using the greeting could face up to five years in jail. There are greetings in existence today that are punishable by law. There are greetings, in fact, that have historically been used to hurt, to shame, to demean others. Not just in foreign countries, but right here in our own country. There may be some of you today in this room who is made to feel small and significant because a greeting was used to harm you or even a greeting was withheld from you. I'm sorry if that was your experience, and I see you. 
Although we may not be subject to death for a miscalculation in our greetings and an ill-intentioned greeting or a refusal to greet someone could cause pain and regret. Someone could walk away from this church saying, why did I even show up? Nobody even cares. Our greeting, our simple greeting can inflict pain or bring blessing to the people that we encounter. Paul, the Apostle Paul, was well aware of this truth. From the, the greetings that the Apostle Paul shared in his letter, we learn some things. We learn that greetings can reveal information about a relationship. Greetings can identify purpose. Greetings can transform the hearts of others to receive truth. So, if greetings hold that kind of influence, we should probably freshen up on our greeting techniques, right? I think we can do so by answering this question when entering the city, new or old. How does our greeting reflect the nature of our relationships? How does it communicate our intentions and potentially open the hearts of others to receive truth? We enter this city every single day. From the moment you are awake, from wherever you lay your head, you are entering the city. And so we want to learn how to do this well. If we're going to learn from anyone how to greet others, how to enter a city, we can take a lesson from the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul perhaps has one of the most consistent greetings in the New Testament. Whether he's writing to inform, correct, encourage, you can depend on a letter from Paul, including a greeting. So let's take some notes. In each letter, Paul offers one or more of what we can outline as the standard greeting, the extended greeting, and what I'll call the eternal greeting. We'll start with the standard greeting. Paul's standard greeting, for example, sounded like, to all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you, and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a portion of the greeting delivered and presented by Phoebe. She's a disciple of Paul. So no doubt, Paul equipped and trained her in how to greet the city as she prepared to present and preach what is known as the greatest theological treatise of the New Testament. That greeting is like the standard air kiss. Left cheek, right cheek, left cheek, embrace. When someone greets you with these words of affection, beloved of God, he called them, you're more likely to be receptive of whatever's coming next. So I imagine she practices her delivery as she travels 800 miles from Corinth, and she's ready to greet them as she enters the city of Rome. Similarly, for Tychicus, also pronounced Tychicus, or you may see it in your Bible written as Tychicus in our language. We're going to call him what his mama called him, Tychicus. He's also a disciple of Paul. 
and he travels over 800 miles from Rome to Ephesus to deliver this letter that we know as Ephesians. Paul begins in the letter to the Ephesians with including an initial greeting. It's similar but different from the other greetings. Paul says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. It's the standard air-kissed greeting. Left cheek, right cheek, left cheek, embrace. Paul is really affirming the church in this greeting. He specifically calls the church of Ephesus faithful. I want you to see this. Paul is in jail 800 miles away. He spent some time in Ephesus, sure, but was it enough time to attach an eternal label like faithful to this church? I believe the impact of their faithfulness has caused news to travel back to Paul, which causes him in turn to exhort them with the adjective faithful. This for me begs the question, how can we as a body of believers be described as faithful? They've set a precedence here and I can learn from it. I think we can learn from this precedence. I mean, we know faithfulness is expected, right? It's a fruit of the spirit, along with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. We got one saved person in the room, one person to read their Bible. Self-control. Faithfulness is an attribute that all those who have accepted Christ should display. Only faithfulness is not everybody's strong suit. Like patience. We should all display patience, but it's probably not the first fruit of the Spirit that my kids are going to use to describe me. <laughs> to be called faithful as a church in the leading city of the richest region of the Roman Empire, this is a big deal. I mean, Ephesus is the metropolis of Asia. Greek romantic novels of the second century know Ephesus as not as a, a land of sojourn, but it's a desired destination because it was bustling and it was glamorous. Ephesus was like Austin is to the United States. It was a place where people wanted to be, the people. They're moving to Ephesus from Greece, from Egypt, from Rome, from Israel. It's a place of opportunity. It's cosmopolitan. It's multi-ethnic. Everybody wanted to be there. A multi-ethnic city, it makes multi-ethnic church easier, right? With the influx of people and ideas comes an influx of ethnicities, languages, backgrounds, worldviews, cultures. Listen, we are over 2,000 years removed from this period in time. Removed from a time of multi-ethnic thing. But, but, this, but now, we're 2,000 years away now, but this multi-ethnic thing to us, sometimes it still feels fresh and it still feels new. It's over 2,000 years old. But God's demand of Jew and Gentile unity, it wasn't even 100 years old then with the church of Ephesus. And somehow, the church of Ephesus is getting it right enough to be called faithful. 
There's not another letter written to a church called Faithful for 100 miles. How were they called Faithful? Was it by keeping certain ethnicities out? Or was it by closing the doors to those undesired socioeconomic backgrounds? Did they vote out those with opposing political stances? Did they pick and choose who they would minister to so that the church could continue to prosper? No. I believe Paul called them faithful because they live with relational unity. They've taken a note out of Paul's book of greetings and they've welcomed the stranger with love. They took care of the orphan. They fed the hungry. They showed up for one another. They celebrated uniquenesses, differences. They celebrated one another. They weren't perfect, but they were called faithful because they're greeting. How they received people reflected their love for Jesus. Such are some of you. Your greeting reflects the nature of your relationship with God. How you approach the city, people, work, relationships, service. You show up for others. Even when it's inconvenient, you donate your time, your treasures, your talents, and give so that others can be fed physically and spiritually and so that people can experience the gospel and the reconcile, be reconciled to their heavenly father. This is the things that you do. I've seen it for myself. When our greetings reflect the love of Jesus, our relationships can grow and demonstrate faithfulness. By reflecting the qualities of compassion, selflessness, and forgiveness in our greetings, we create a welcoming atmosphere that fosters deeper connections. These loving greetings, they laid a foundation for healing, reconciliation, and trust as we consistently demonstrate care, understanding, and support. Our relationship will grow. Our relationships thrive by incorporating the love of Jesus into our greetings. We showcase our commitment and faithfulness to nurturing and sustaining the city that we're in. We get to bring faithfulness to the city. Now, as traditional as Paul's greetings are, he actually extends this particular greeting. The extended greeting is like the surprise fourth kiss because Paul really wants them to, to feel love when they enter the city. And so, the church of Ephesus, to the church of Ephesus, he extends this greeting by one sentence, it's the added blessing. One sentence, 257 words. Still one sentence nonetheless. In my limited knowledge, it's the single longest sentence in the Bible. That is your Bible trivia fact for today. Now, it is the longest sentence because Paul has reserved the use of a period until the end of this declarative statement. I believe Paul, in his original writing, removed the opportunity for a mistake in the greeting. And actually, he sets Tychicus up for a successful greeting when entering the city. See, reserving the period until the end of this declarative statement reminds Tychicus to just declare. Declare, declare, declare. Don't stop declaring. Don't even breathe too deep, Tychicus, because there is an intention that needs to be communicated to the people. The people need to be reminded of the blessing they have in Jesus Christ. And so, if we were to read this one sentence 
as it was originally written, as it relates to punctuation, not Greek, it would read like this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love, having predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which... He has blessed us in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth, in whom we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory in whom you also when you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory it's the fourth kiss the added blessing they needed to hear Tukakis declare this blessing over them because as it turns out, multi-ethnic church, it's worth it, but it's not easy. You see, roads from north and south and east converged in Ephesus, which also meant ideas, religious beliefs, spiritual doctrines also converged in Ephesus. Ephesus was an epicenter of spiritual darkness. They worshiped the goddess Artemis. There, along with 50 other deities, the size and grandeur of the temple of Artemis, it caused ancient wonder, writers to speak of it as one of the seven wonders of the world. This means that there was a large allegiance in this city to a number of little g-gods the people were taught that Artemis had power and authority over heaven, earth, and even the underworld, specifically curses, terrestrial spirits like wildlife and nurture, nature. It was told that she could break the chains of fate, protect people from various kinds of tormenting spirits, and defend people against spirits, and defend people against um, injury, and defend them against sickness, plague, and harm. This is the singing claim that's made for rocks, crystals, sage today. It's spiritual wickedness disguised as energy and aura. And gone unchecked, it opens the doors for spiritual darkness. Paul isn't saying that the energy that's felt isn't real. It's real. He's saying it's not of God. It is a spirit it is not the Holy Spirit. The people of Ephesus, they were tempted to hold on to their rocks, household idols, magic texts, tarot cards, because the fear that they had of evil spirits and demonic powers, it didn't go away. It didn't vanish when they accepted Jesus as their savior. Luke actually records for us a dramatic clash when people in Ephesus tried merging 
the power of the Holy Spirit with mystical, magic, occult practices. Luke says, some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day, the evil spirit answered them, Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. But who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear. And the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who had practiced sorcery, other translations say magic arts, curious arts, witchcraft, they brought their scrolls, their scrolls, their books together, and they burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 pieces of silver. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Jesus and sorcery don't mix. Paul's power to drive out demons came from God's Holy Spirit and his spirit alone. Paul is writing to them, but it's for us. And so we are reminded in this extended greeting that the threat of spiritual powers should now be seen in light of the superior power of God and the power he imparts to his people that proclaim the name of Jesus and the name of Jesus alone. He's reminding them, you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit, and this promise gives you full access to the name of Jesus. There is no need for another name. There is no need for magic. There is no need for witchcraft. There is a declaration here in the greeting that says there is a greater power, the greatest power, and at the name of this power, Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. That's the power that you have. Paul was aware that the general cultural pressures they can become contingency plans. People like to follow cultural trends. They do what the majority's doing. Everybody else is doing it. The problem is the stronghold of contingency factors become sufficient to hinder our growth as believers. Contingency factors say, if God doesn't answer me this time, I'm gonna go check the cards. Contingency factors say, if I'm unsure, of my access to protection and help, then I'm gonna carry the rocks. I'll burn the sage. Contingency factors and plans, they make it difficult to renounce sinful practices and display the virtues of Christ in our life. This greeting from Paul is it wasn't just for the church of Ephesus. God desires for us to see us his people transformed by the power of the gospel and no longer conforming to the trends of secular culture. You change the city. Don't let the city change you. Paul writes this letter 
to a large network of churches in Ephesus and the surrounding cities. And while it may not be a letter of correction, it is a letter of affirmation to affirm their new identity, our new identity in Jesus Christ. Paul's greeting, it didn't just call them faithful and bless them. This greeting opened their hearts to receive the truth of the gospel of Jesus. And because their hearts were open to receive the gospel, they could experience the eternal greeting. Paul ends the extended greeting with the declaration of all declarations. He says, in him, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. This declaration, it's the reason why we bother to wake up and enter the city. This declaration is why we can show faithfulness to the city that we're in. It is the reason why our greetings matter. When our greetings reflect the love of Jesus, our greeting doesn't just bring faithfulness to the city. An eternal hope is attached to our greeting. Here, Paul attaches that eternal hope using the phrase in Christ or in him. The eternal hope attached to this declaration, it stresses to the receivers of this letter the importance of incorporation in Christ as the source of all your spiritual blessings. Outside of Christ, there is no spiritual blessing. This is a greeting to the believer, those who accept their identity in Christ. A greeting and a reminder you have been marked and sealed for eternity. The Holy Spirit now lives inside of you, enabling you to walk in faithfulness in the city that God has called you to. Aside from Christ, we are incapable of being faithful. In fact, try as we might, our faithfulness in the city or attempts thereof fall flat when we are not founded in the love of Christ. The greeting is a reminder that we carry with us the love of Christ to be reflected to others so that they too will be reconciled to Christ Jesus to experience the freedom that Jesus sacrificed his life for. This declaration from Paul is a greeting to the believer, but to the listening non-believer is actually more. To the non-believer, if they're interested, this is an invitation to eternal life. He says, in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth. This line implies that there is a choice to be made after you have heard the word of truth. After you hear that there is a savior of the world who has come to forgive sins, he heals the sick, brings dead things to life, he offers new life in exchange for our old raggedy lives, he calls the orphan child, he gives the vagabond a home and the sojourner a family. His name is Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, born of the Virgin Mary, and lived a sinless, perfect life. And he is the one who was betrayed with a greeting, a kiss, a kiss, that sign of deep respect, honor, brotherly love was the very act that initiated the process of a bloody crucifixion 
Jesus took the kiss of betrayal that I deserve, that we deserve, not by mistake. It wasn't a miscalculation, but rather in our stead. It was the kiss of betrayal that initiated our access to an inheritance that we don't deserve so that we could receive an eternal greeting that we didn't deserve. My best guess is that eternal greeting will sound a little like this. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things, faithful over the city, but now I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. That's the eternal greeting that I wanna hear. Well done. Listen, if you're here today and you're unsure of what your eternal greeting is gonna sound like, I wanna pray for you today. I also wanna pray for those who have found it difficult to push against the secular trends of culture and you find yourself sometimes falling into the trap of the rocks and the sage, crystals. I'm gonna pray that God will break that off of you and that you'll have a heart only for the Holy Spirit. It's the only spirit you'll have an affection for. And I wanna pray for those who you find yourself wanting to be more faithful to the city that God's called you in because you know that your faithfulness to the city may bring somebody to Christ. Your faithfulness to the city has an eternal greeting attached to it. Let us pray. God, I thank you. I thank you for this time, this walk through the book of Ephesians where you're showing us your love for us. Holy Spirit, I ask right now that you speak to your sons and your daughters. They're at the verge of committing their lives to you, Jesus. There's a a pull in their heart. They're even sitting at the edge of their seat because they know that they're not sure of what their eternal greeting is going to sound like. I thank you for the gentle offer that you're giving them right now to trust you, to trust you as your Savior. Oh, Holy Spirit, speak to their hearts and press your love. Let them see who you are. No more chains to sin but you offer freedom in you. It's not a burden. Your burden's light. Your yoke is easy. Let them understand the gift that your love brings. And I pray right now for those that are having a hard time pushing, pushing secular culture away. Oh God, give them the courage to burn it all, God. To burn the cards, the rocks, the crystals. I plead the blood of Jesus right now over their minds where the enemy has tried to come in and invade. And I pray by your power, God, that you will let the Holy Spirit minister to them, not to be confused with any other spirit. Holy Spirit, minister to their hearts and let them release what culture says is good and let them receive the spirit of your holiness, God. Your power, Jesus. At your name, Jesus, everything else bows. Let it bow today in Jesus' name. And finally, God, for those, they feel that tug to be a better city, city dweller. They feel the tug, God, to attach faithfulness to their greeting. They recognize there's an eternal hope now attached 
to how they greet others, God. I ask that you would show them your love, your will, how you want them to walk this out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more info about how to get and stay connected to Mosaic Church, please visit us online at www.mosaicchurchaustin.com or download our app from your app store.